It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into the Skinny Podcast. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com digital sports columnist and editor, along with Chad Brendel from Bearcat Journal, Rick Roaring from Musketeer Report. It is our weekly podcast, but kind of a special edition podcast because we're going to be talking a lot of things uh, Skyline Chili, Crosstown Shootout related. Um, but before we get to that, because we're going to go pretty in-depth in that, we're going to touch on a lot of other things that, that took place in basketball over the last week, from NKU almost winning at Memphis to Kentucky's best performance of the season probably uh, on Sunday to the weird Alabama 3-on-5 debacle against Minnesota to what was really, a, a, I think, a good week of basketball in, in, in the Fantastic PK80 especially. I, the, the, the big takeaway is... I'm not sure Florida could have played any better for a stretch of time, and maybe it just shows you that Duke really is just that good. Well, Duke really is that good, and Florida is that good. I agree. That, that was my takeaway from the weekend, is if you've been watching college basketball to this point, and you don't think Duke, Florida, and Michigan State are three of the best four teams in the country in some order, I don't know what you've been watching. Yeah, yeah no, I, I agree. I, that, that's the part for me. I... I um, this Florida team's really good, and, and I'm pumped. Maybe this is a year where the SEC does have a little bit of a bounce back at the top because you had three in the top ten this week. A and M, I think, has proven itself worthy. You know, the jury's still out on, on Kentucky because they've had one test and then a bunch of, of cupcakes. Otherwise, but, but they're but, still good. They're still good, right? Exactly. Yeah, I, I'm exactly. pumped. Really pumped. At four, I get to go see UC Florida. Oh, that's a good point. On the ninth, yeah, that's right. That's a I good get, point. I, we, we fly up on the eighth. We're going to go out and uh, have dinner in the big city on Friday night, and then see a good basketball, and then game. see an incredible. Like that's one of those games that you schedule, and you think that you're hoping Florida's going. Yeah, well, you know, hoping. like Florida's going to be good. They're, they're expected to have a pretty good team. They're going to be a top 10, 15 team. It's going to be a great game, and then you get a month in, and you go, oh boy. They're really good. Like well, and same thing with UC. Yeah, when you're talking about that matchup heading into the season, it looks good on paper. Now it looks great in real That's actuality. Be the last of a game. Yeah, no, no, no question about it. Um, but but some other good basketball. I thought in the, in the I, I thought the event was really good. It took away I think from some of the other tournaments last week. Drastically. Drastically, yes. But you know, for the most part. I, I thought that was like that was those were those were well played in the PK for the most part. Do you think Nike will find a way to keep something like this going in the future? After I can the see success? them going an eight team. I don't know if they'll do sixteen like with the, the two brackets. The yeah, two I don't know if they'll go all out like they did on this one. But with the success that that thing had, how do you not just cycle eight Nike teams every year and, out there? And the thing about it was they got lucky because some of the bad teams, like the Ohio State game, was good. Right. And Ohio State's really not very good. But the game worked out for them. UConn didn't get blasted in their first game. They got blasted in their next two. Right, which for UConn, hell, that's a heck of a payoff. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, how about, how about UConn? Even though, even though it's not the same Oregon team that we saw last year in the Final Four, they did get themselves a, at least a nice win. But yeah. They, sal- and, and they then, salvaged the weekend for yeah. the A. Well, they well, turned uh, around hold the on. That's 146. We that's our other thing. That was the other conversation yes, we need to have. Where is your uh, pulse on the American right now? Non-conference. Ooh, it's not good. It's not good. I mean, yeah, if you look at the metrics, they're still, you know, okay. But it's the same thing we talked about coming into the season. This conference has to perform in November and December. And right now, yeah, there's a couple blips on the radar. Uh, Wichita State getting to the Maui Finals. Yeah. But they should have won that game. Um, that would have been really big for them to knock off Notre Dame, I think. And they salvaged what we talked about last week. It could have been an awful loss in the very first game of that Yeah. Yeah. You know, Cal got to end up getting beat by Shamanad for goodness sake. Cal was awful. Yeah. Um, 
but it's it's not a good look. I mean, it, Houston has a bad loss. SMU looks okay, but they don't look like you know a, a top twenty-five type team. UConn is brutally bad again. Did you see that game? That there was the 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 game they won against Oregon. Even though they won, like there was four minutes left in the game, they had like three assists. It's crazy. It's one of the worst passing teams on the planet. And I, I don't but, feel, but just some of the losses weren't just losses; they were bad losses. Oh, who the hell did they play that beat them by a hundred? UConn. I can't even remember at this point in time. Mul- multiple teams this year. Well, but I mean that the last game of the PK eighty, they lost by a bunch, a ton. Yeah, a bunch. Yeah. Um, I don't feel great about it. I mean, I think it's better. But that doesn't mean it's good. So, and, and I'm skipping ahead here, but that does put a premium for UC on the Florida game, on, on the, the UCLA game. game, on the Xavier yeah. game. I mean, those are those are your and obviously Wichita. We're only talking one of the games. Those are your three home run home run possibilities to keep you from falling back to that goofy as it sounds four or five seed line. And none of them are at home, right? So their work is cut out for them. But you got a chance though to hit a home run. Yes, like that too, absolutely, though. absolutely. It's but not you, like you, you, but you have to. You have to. There's, there's no. Question you kind of have to no now. I mean, if you if if you go two and one over those three games, I think you're in really good shape right. if you're UC. If you go one and two, you didn't help yourself as much as you could, but you got a big win somewhere in there. If you go zero and three, your seed your your seed line is tanked. Yeah, no matter how good you it's are, big right? Time bad. Yeah, no, no question about it. All right, we are going to talk a lot of shootout here in just a little bit. Let's skip to Kentucky, um, where. The offense has not been there for the most part this season. They haven't gotten in a flow. They haven't made shots. That's not a surprise. It's something you touched on way back. Heck, you touched on back in the summertime. Um, but they did have probably their most complete offensive game against UIC, which we talked about defensively. They've got a couple of rim protectors. They're not in the same class as Kentucky. They're right? decent. Like Kentucky has struggled with teams Correct. worse than them. Yeah, exactly. Exactly right. So probably their most complete performance on Sunday, right? Yeah, I think so. And, and this is what we talked about with the UK team, why I'm not down on them yet, why I didn't think – their problems to score early were the end of their season because they they were showing signs of improvement from game to game immediately. Within the first week or two, they had already shown they were able to make big strides, both on the offensive end and the defensive end, despite that they were struggling to make some shots. And they're running better stuff. They're figuring out who plays what role in the offense. And then their defense has been pretty darn good from the get-go when they've needed it to be in big moments. And so I think... This team, is, it's going to be frustrating like we've talked about for UK fans, but it has a lot of upside still. It does, but, but maybe this is a team where, as goofy as it sounds, you just you just don't shoot the three unless it's an absolute necessity. I mean, maybe it is more of a mid-range game. Maybe it is more of a continue to go downhill and attack the basket. Just you still have to stretch a defense. I just don't think I don't that's how basketball works in today's I, age. I, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but if you're going to shoot 27% on a night, I know you can argue, hey, they got the link to go grab offensive rebounds. Maybe they do. Maybe you change it a little bit. Or maybe you get out and one more and try to get a, ton, a way more ton in transition. That's what I would do. Well, I mean, but they're always going to do that. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head with go get offensive rebounds. When Cal first started, the big thing they used to say about his offense is get the ball off the rim. I don't care if we miss layups. I don't care if we go full speed in transition and can't finish. I want the ball off the rim because, because someone's going to try to block that shot, and then we've got bigger athletic dudes behind them coming to clean it up. That's what this team can do. So I agree with that, Skinny. Yeah. Um, Kentucky next, uh, by the way, has has Harvard, and then I believe Monmouth 
um, up. I think that's a neutral site game. If I'm not mistaken, yeah, maybe it's at home. Big, um, big, big, big tests ahead. Big slate. Yeah, huge, huge slate. I will say, I, I, I didn't see what the attendance figure. I'm going to look at it real quick. I, it did not look. They're down. It looked really brutal on on Sunday. And again, it was a Sunday. They're down 15, almost 20 percent. Correct. Right? Yeah, there were 19,000 going into the UIC game. They were averaging it up. Um, but yeah, I'll give a little bit of a. Caveat. I mean, it was a six o'clock game when students were probably still getting back from yeah. Thanksgiving break. Not the best time to schedule a game, to be honest with you. But when's the last time there? I mean, when do you have a good atmosphere in Rupp Arena at this point? That's the problem. I, no, like, I, I don't it's, disagree. It's not just that. Hey, this game isn't good. It's that fans don't remember when the last time a fun atmosphere was in Rupp. So it's really not a big deal to go there anymore. Unless it's a huge, huge yeah. Unless game. it's the Louisville you just, game. You just don't have you don't have those home, home and homes anymore. Florida. Yeah, I mean, once they get into conference play, there will be two or three of them this year because the conference is better. Yeah, but they, they announced twenty, but I don't think that. Uh, just looking at that, it was not twenty. Didn't look no like chance. 20. Yeah, yeah I, I would agree with that. Um, all right, let's let's touch on NKU too because uh, went to Memphis. I'd rather not. I know you wouldn't. Um, the, the, funny, the great part is you get so worked up about that. As much as you're 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 very analytical on a lot of this other stuff. This is when the fan he like, comes, fanboy comes out. And all right, but thing. I'm not. I, I was the one saying all along that it's were. unreasonable to say NKU should win that game. They were, but, they, wanted, they were actually favored to win that game but, by one and a half points. But when you're favored and when you go in and you have the type of lead that they had on the road and you're playing the way they had, you, it you was. it's frustrating to see them give that up. And they're young. They made mistakes on the road. They played a team that has some athleticism that they don't see in their conference maybe, but – even still, it's not like the talent level was that difference between different between no, them and there's Memphis. There's a couple guys in their conference that are better than anybody on Memphis. No question, but like overall, Memphis has a little bit more size and length, but not the talent differential wasn't much. That was a frustrating game to watch in the second half. No, I'm right. I called you. You called me back on Saturday afternoon before the game started, and, and um, I, I was telling you that they were favored. And I know there were a lot of people that were shocked by that, and maybe, maybe we shouldn't have been shocked. I mean, obviously, it came down it was a one and a half point favorite, two point game for goodness sake. So they were obviously. We talked earlier on that they had a chance to go down there and win it. It would have sure been, it would have been a nice, yeah, would have been a really nice win. But I think it does. You make the point. They're going to face what one other team that probably will test them between now and and um, and conference, and that's going to be obviously Texas A&M, which will be a huge. Who are good? That'll that'll be that'll, that'll, that'll be really good for them going into conference. But look, you're right. There's not a lot of teams overall inside the the horizon that are going to be top to bottom as good as Memphis, and Memphis is not good, but inside that league, so. Take away from that is going on the road. You're not going to probably face maybe Oakland talent wise. I think Oakland is better than Memphis. Yeah, in I, terms of talent. Yeah, yeah. in terms yeah. of talent. Um, outside of that, you know, I think Memphis would probably finish second or third in the horizon this year. Yeah, no, I, yeah, and that's where about where NKU's in one, two, or three. Right. So, but it, it, I guess the, the, the takeaway is um, that that's the learning experience of closing out a game against a good team. Yeah, and it's something they they have to figure out. Last year. They were great when they got behind and were able to make comebacks. But we saw, you know, you talked about this on the last podcast. We saw a few times earlier in the year where they had some leads. They weren't able to close out in the second half. And, and yeah, they've got to figure out how to do that, how to play with the lead. Because they play this style where they get up and down the court. They shoot a lot of threes. That's awesome when you're playing from behind or when you're making that initial run. Right. But once you cool off a little bit or you're trying to run some clock or and you lose four minute mode, you are just running offense. You're, yeah. You're when, doing your normal stuff. Right. Yeah. When when you're not playing with that same momentum and that sort of downhill mentality that they get when they're at their best, they've got to figure out how to make good decisions and, and take care of the ball and and just do better. And I hate to be that guy, but 
Memphis certainly got the benefit of the doubt at home from the officials in that one. A lot of free throws in the second half. They also shot 63% from the floor in the second half. That'll help. That's because they were going to the foul line on every shot that they didn't make. (laughs) Bitter. Bitter young man. You're good good with that now? You got out of your system? You feel better? I think I'm being pretty calm considering the way that game went down. I can only imagine what you were like. As you as you saw that game go down, I was in the office, so Which, that, that was even that helped. That helped a ton. I'm going to guess that helped a, a that, lot. It didn't help your blood pressure. I, I've never worried about that, so just got to get out, man. Just got to let it let it let it fly. Right, let's talk three on five for a minute. The, the, one of the one of the hey, great. What, what did I tell you guys before this season started about Alabama? Colin Sexton. Yeah. Yeah. He might not be the best player in this class, but he might be the best player. He might, in this be, class. He might be the best player in this class. He well, Marvin Bagley is yes. Almost beat him one on a as an NBA five. as an NBA talent. I don't. I'm not convinced that anyone's better than Colin Sexton. I'm not saying he's the best, but I. But so far, I'm not convinced anyone's better. What I'm saying is he's the most fun to watch. Yeah, and I've said that from the first time I saw that kid in AAU. This kid is fun to watch, and he almost took down Minnesota by himself. By himself, literally by himself. Three on five. For those who didn't see, you know, most of you watching this are college basketball fans. Alabama because of. Ejections, um, a guy getting a tea, tea and getting uh, no. fouled out. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. fouled out because of the tea. Um, we're down to three players with nine minutes. Sprained that John Petty sprained the ankle with nine minutes and what twenty two? No, seconds. Le- almost eleven, 11 minutes. minutes. Okay, sorry, eleven minutes ago. Yeah, because they, they they played nine minutes in and they I was, won by I eleven. Scored Minnesota by eleven, three on five. Now some of that, I, I guess, if you're the five and. That, we're not talking about a, a schlep five. We're talking about a, a, a top, top, top team. twenty team five to get pushed by three. How does that happen? Colin Sexton. That was one of the weirdest. Th- it, it was mesmerizing to watch because they played a one-two zone. Right. You, That's all you can do. You, it was so fascinating. I've never. I've seen it at the end of a game where something happens, guys are injured, a foul out, whatever, and a team has to go down to four for maybe thirty seconds or a minute or whatever it is. I've never seen it. That long, and I've never seen two guys have to come off the court and you play with three. Have you ever seen three players before? Yes, in hockey when they have the two-man advantage. <laughs> have you ever seen it in basketball no, at any I, level? I did once in an AAU tournament. I got so mad at my team, I played with four on five for about a five-minute stretch. I got so tipped on off. On purpose? On purpose. You're an idiot. I did. I just said that. This is, that's my team on the floor. I mean, are you kidding, Hoosiers? How cliche are you? I did it. I did Because I got tired. We weren't playing, we weren't playing very hard. That's so the I'm most saying, Richard four, Skinner thing. Four guys would play hard against five, and guess what? We won that period. We won by eight or ten points. <laughs> I can't I'm just, stand you sometimes. I know you can't, but I I just want to let you know that I did that. I'm embarrassed by you. Honestly. And if I had to, I would have gone down to three and played three on five and not cared. Okay, let's get back to the yes, enjoyable conversation, yes. which isn't you being an old white man. Um Who out there as a coach wouldn't do if you were not if you were mad at your team, who wouldn't do that? Anyone with any sense that isn't trying to be ridiculous and yeah, act like they're in Hoosiers. Oh, that's all right. Go ahead. No, just actually teach them without getting frustrated and be like, hey, you've got to learn how to do this and be reasonably calm as a, about, a teacher. And you're about 50 games in and you've gone through some of that. Coaching you, middle schoolers, you, for you, goodness you, sakes. You, you, you reach a stage, man. You just reach a stage. That's okay. So you talk about holding people accountable and you do a podcast with us. That's a good point. Too. That's a great point. Yeah. And you showed up late for the podcast. You're very accountable that's right now. Yeah, that's a good call. Um, I got a question relating to the shootout, but also relating to three on five. If something goes down, who's the three players you want on the floor for UC and who's the three players you want on the floor for Xavier if it has to happen for either team? Clark, without question. And then I guess I'd go Evans and Cumberland. That's a pretty good three. 
I think I could roll with this. You got a little bit of range defensively with a little bit of length, and you got some dudes that can make some plays on their own. Yeah. You go, I, you go know, two, I go two top. years. I want to know who your third's going to be. Two, I, th- I, two, I think it's very. I think it's very two, easy. Two, two, I, two or three are easy. I think it's very easy for all three. One JP Makira. Two, you clone JP Makira. Three, you clone JP Makira again, and you play with three JP Makiras. Here's the problem. Here's the problem with both. Of Science our hasn't caught up to that. Here's the problem with both of our lists. Something crazy happens. This is not true. Everyone keeps saying that, and it's ridiculous. JP will instigate the fight while he's on the court. He's not coming off the bench, so he won't get ejected. And he's an instigator. He's not the fighter. He will. Get, someone will throw a punch at him. He will not be ejected. He'll be teed up. Out of the pile at the end. And yeah. Watch the, the guys have gotten ejected for that before. I, I will say this: if something happens, JP is probably the least likely to get thrown out. He's least in, likely. Yeah. It, it, like if he was involved, he's probably not the one getting thrown out. That's what I'm saying. Facebook, do you agree with that? I don't. I mean, that's fine. I'm just talking about actual logistics of how it played out. Everyone's like, JP will be involved. I'm like, yes, he'll be instigating it. Someone will throw a punch at him, and, then and he'll be on the floor or so, whatever. Like, Game on. Yeah, but Game he's on. not getting ejected. He didn't come so, off the bench. So, so Trayvon Blewett's not in your three. No, I mean, if you were doing it realistically, it would be it would be uh, Trayvon, Gates. JP. No, I think I would go Quentin Gooden. you got to have the athleticism on the defensive the end cover. that Quentin gives you and the ball handler. Yeah, to cover. Yeah, and he's been so good at getting those two guys shots that I think I just let him attack and use his 40-inch vertical and uh, kick out to those two. That'd be interesting. <laughs> Hopefully it doesn't come to that. Because then guess what? We won't have the shootout anymore. We'll go back to the classic again. So Don't but, don't remind which, me. Which it was referred to as three times on Monday night on the ESPNU broadcast. Really? Crosstown Classic coming up on well, Saturday. Maybe they think it's going to be a classic. One of them by... A broadcaster that's from Cincinnati. Yeah, that's not good. That's not a good thing at all. I won't mention her by name because she apologized on Twitter after because I, I'm guessing her Twitter was, uh, was yeah, got, assaulted got, 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 by got, got by UC fans. Right, before we talk about the show, let's talk about the, the most recent game for both teams. You see with an easy win over over Alabama State. Um, any takeaway from no. that game other than just get through it, move on? Nobody None. gets hurt, right? It, there was there was no juice in that game at all. Yeah, none. Didn't feel like it. Watching, I watched about ten minutes of it, and that was enough for it, me. It was there was never a big run. It just yeah, it just they got up. up by eight, they it got up by twelve, they got up by twenty, they got up by thirty. I think we even saw Mick on the bench at one point saying, "When's the shootout start?" He, he literally <laughs> sat on the bench for like ninety percent of the game drinking water. <laughs> Sometimes you got to have an opponent like that, right? Perfect tonic, the perfect time. So I was talking about uh, Xavier though, coming off the loss to Arizona State, where. I know people from the outside will look and go, ah, how do you lose to a team? You know, Arizona State's program of late. Trey Holder was a bad dude. They, they are in the top 20 now this week, um, actually ahead of Xavier in the, in, the, in the rankings. And really, I know it's disappointing because it's a, a chance to get a win on a neutral site and all that stuff. But Arizona State just won the game. I mean, they just played that well, right? To an extent, yes. I mean, it exposed some issues that Xavier has, which we talked about before the season. The biggest question mark for this team was defensively, are they what they were during the regular season last year, or are they what they were for two weeks during the NCAA tournament last year, which was really good? Against Arizona State, they looked very much like the team they were early in the regular season last year on the defensive end. They didn't care enough. They weren't tough enough. But most importantly, Arizona State has their kryptonite, which is multiple small ball, jet quick ball Real, handlers. Right? Yeah, three guys that were 6-1 or under. And that's where Xavier struggles to defend. They're much better. It's funny. They got into the Big East. They were a little too small. They had D. Davis, Miles Davis. They were shorter, stubbier, not as athletic. And they struggled to guard the bigger, physical, more athletic teams. 
Then they go out and recruit a bunch of big, tougher, more athletic guys. And now they really struggle to guard those jet quick point guards. So it's kind of funny how you kind of swing on both ends of the spectrum there. They haven't gotten it perfect. I think they have it going in the future that way when you think about Quentin Gooden and Paul Scruggs and Najee Marshall. But the the current team they have right now, JP and Trayvon just are never going to be laterally quick. They're never going to be great defenders, even though they've improved immensely since they arrived on campus. And Trey Holder was unbelievable in that game. Yeah, and, and I think at the end of the day, it's it's not going to be a bad loss because I don't think Arizona State goes in the league. I, I don't think the Pac-12 this year is great. It's not very good. Yeah. There's been multiple articles written since that game saying Arizona State might be the best team in the Pac-12, and it's kind of hard to argue with it. Right, and that's what I'm saying. This this will not, in all likelihood, end up being a bad. I mean, loss. there's three teams really there. Yeah, USC, UCLA, and, and, and now maybe Arizona, Arizona State. And UCLA is obviously having some struggles early, right. and uh, and I think USC is pretty good. But yeah, I do too. Other than that, I think Arizona State might be number two. Yeah, and unless Arizona kind of gets itself back on track, and which is possible, but we'll see what happens with that. You talk about a bad week. Holy cow! It ain't what good. A, what a bad week. Me, um, but, you. Boring, yep. Snow, and Justin Berg could have beat Arizona the way they played last they, week. They were bad. They were really and truly bad. Um, but they do bounce back with a nice win over Baylor. And um, on a night where Trayvon Blewett gets 10, um, that, that's a good that's a good bounce back. And they did guard. I mean, they, they, they cut the head of the snake off of the comp. And you've got to give a ton of credit to Quentin Good. And yeah. it's funny, I just did the, the podcast with uh, Justin Berg, who writes for Chad. And we were talking about sort of the point guard matchup. And it's funny because when you start talking about Quentin Gooden, the numbers don't add up to how you talk about him. Oh, he's two of eight on paper. That looks awful. Yeah, and it's like when other people look at him, they probably think like, oh, that guy is kind of a nothing. But he's so key for the way Xavier's playing right now because the way he's getting the scores involved. I mean, Kaiser Gates has 19 points, a career high against Baylor. And he really doesn't do much at all and stand if, there and shoot. if Quentin Gooden isn't on the court right. setting him up constantly. And Quentin goes eight assists, no turnovers that game. The passes he's putting are just on a dime, right in shooters' pockets. <laughs> They're not moving their hands an inch. They're going straight into their shot. Um, and defensively, he was outstanding against LeCompte, who came into the game averaging, you know, close to 20 points and was shooting 42% from three. He's 29 years old and been in the, been in Baylor for 17 years. I mean, he, yeah, he's, he hold, the, I mean, he's been there forever, it feels like. He holds him to uh, 11 points and and uh, a bad shooting night, and that's just that's exactly what you wanted out of Quentin Good. They shot Baylor right out of the zone. Well, they they ran it at him in transition, and then they got the ball. Baylor never got the zone. Right, right. Well, they did for the first two timeouts. Yeah. yeah to the, the first two media timeouts, the first eight minutes, they I mean, went up 21 to 8. To what you're saying, they never really actually got into the zone. Yeah, to where you're Xavier was pushing up against the floor. Yeah. yeah, when they were getting open looks before they could even really get into it. Yeah, and that's how you beat it. The other way, and Xavier did a great job, the few times they were able to set up, they got the ball in the middle to J.P. McKeera, let him make decisions and make plays, and and it was pretty quick. Baylor was like, well, we can't do this. And once you get Baylor out of that matchup 1-3-1, they're a much more, e- they're much easier to handle. No doubt. I mean, that's what they want to play. And credit to X, I know this has been the big talking point coming from the game, but credit to X, it's a night where Trayvon didn't make shots. And looked like he was ailing, obviously. And is ailing, obviously. Ailing a little bit, yeah. Didn't make shots, and they were still able to beat a top-20 team. Handily. Handily. Yeah, and, and I think the biggest thing is after the Arizona State game, it's like, I don't know that this team can do that if Trayvon doesn't play well. Right. And then you see him play Baylor, and it's like, okay, well, playing at the Cintas Center certainly makes a big difference <laughs> for this team. But at, at least you saw that these other guys are capable of playing with the focus and the intensity and, and doing the small things to carry the team, even if Trayvon's not there. Touch on the injury issue for a, for a minute. I mean, I, obviously, you got a lot of time between now and Saturday. Um, 
It sounded like did, did he do it on the plane or he do it leading up to it? I don't think he's injured. I'll be honest. I, okay. Like I think that was. T- I mean, he has a st- sort of stiff back, so like it's basketball. You know what I mean? Like he was diving on the, af- the floor after loose balls last night. He looked fine. He missed shots. Like you got to make shots. It's a big time game. It's the crosstown shootout. If we're talking about a stiff back after the crosstown shootout, I'm sorry, but that's on Trayvon. Like it is. It, it, like if he's got something more seriously wrong that they're keeping under wraps. I'll take all this back and I'll apologize to him. But big players show up in big games. If you've got a, a slightly stiff back, I think you play through it and, and you play well if it's if it's the shootout. And you do what you did last night. I mean, you you, you don't have to push the minutes a ton either. I mean, push it, but not a ton because... Saturday's going Saturday, to push yeah. minutes a ton. Yeah, absolutely. Right, he, absolutely. He's going to play 39 and a half minutes right. on that back Saturday, and I imagine he's going to feel just fine. Yeah. Um, let's touch on the game then. Um, certainly from last year, Trayvon Blewett was the story on the Xavier side, but really the story coming out for UC was, was that was kind of a coming out for Cumberland and, and really took it and ran from it from there. Yeah, I mean, that was definitely his kind of, you know, coming out party in terms of the national stage and, and being a guy that UC started to rely on more heavy as the, the season wore on. I still think the story from last year was what UC did to Xavier on the glass. Yeah, I've never seen anything like that happen to Xavier, honestly. And then the fact that Trayvon put up 40 and it didn't even matter because they were dominated so thoroughly on the defensive glass. <laughs> and you're looking at a UC team that's second in the country in rebound margin right and, now. And got those rebounders back. Got those rebounders back. And a Xavier team that <clears throat> I don't think they're as bad as – Thank you. Sinuses, too. So now I'm kind of in a oh, – Oh, when we started this podcast, Sinus it was bronchitis? Or? I have bronchitis. Okay. All right. Well, no, it's always something. Maybe well, it, no, maybe it's the cigarette. It, it, it is the cigarettes, <laughs> and then you add something else onto it, and it makes it a little worse. That's so, all. So I'm, there's a, there's an initial cough button, a cough factor, and it just escalates from there with sickness, right? Yeah. Yes. Okay. I will um, say, I think we – Get it? I think we did like a human experiment last year on this podcast where we kind of weaned him off coughing by dinging him so often. Well, you, you, I need one, two, three, two. Ding him again. Doesn't want to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Anti ding. Yeah, it was like that's enough. I'm ding, worn yeah, out. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I like it. All right, keep, keep making your point. If you can do it without coughing. Um, I think I'm done. You sure? <laughs> I, I, Xavier's not where they normally are in terms of rebounding yet. I, well, I mean, but. Baylor is the best rebounding team they faced, and they took it to Baylor kind of yeah. on the glass, out-rebounded I'm them. I'm sure it so. was a, a point of emphasis once I, they got back from Vegas. Well, let's be honest. It's going to be a shock if Xavier gets dominated on the glass back-to-back years by UC like this, mainly just because of what Chris Mack's saying to his team this week leading up to well, the game. Well, and said after the shootout, too. I mean, that was, that was pretty uh, point blank. That was, our ass kicked, yeah. I believe, was the direct quote. That, that was a year ago. This week, with the plug inside the basket, you remember it a whole lot more oh, when you're no, doing no, box-out drills no, no for doubt. entire practices. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, it's it's got to be. It's the worst. By the way, that's the worst thing in college basketball practice, box-out drills. Oh, yeah. It's exactly how you get guys injured. I like it. And Xavier and UC like do it all the time. That's why I like it. That's why they're good rebounding teams. That is. You got to work at you, it. It's, it's the one thing you have to do that way. It's like football. You have to hit at some point. No, you, you do. just have to, I, or you won't be good at it. No, because everybody wants to just go jump and get a rebound. That's all they want to go do. Being a crusty old white guy basketball coach, sometimes you have to go four on five. Sometimes you have you to do. do it. You just have to do it, and you have even, to do box out. Even us. with eleven year olds, yes, you do. Thirteen, thirteen, a little bit older, but yes, indeed, Goodness. four on five. Um, sorry about some of the, some of the matchups in, in, in this game. I mean, just just I guess just overall, we, we've had some great matchups through the years. Because um, both programs have obviously been really good, but th- this is this is right up there, right? I, I'm guessing in terms of like 
where both teams are, this is probably going to be the, the the highest ranked shootout ever in terms of for both teams. For both yeah, because yeah, there's been years where it's like UC is number one, but right. Xavier's unranked. Um, a couple years ago when Xavier was ranked really high and UC was unranked or bottom of the 25 yeah. at the time, whatever. But like never have they been this close to even where you feel really good about both teams. I, I mean, it, I think both fan bases truly feel this year could be something special for their right. respective team. Right. And there's really no reason you could tell them they're wrong at this point. No, no. And not even the Arizona State loss would make you say that. No, no. I mean, it was it was a blip on the radar. It didn't look great for Xavier, but at the same time, it, it doesn't necessarily make you think, hey, they're, they've got some serious issues they need to work out. Right. Well, I mean, you're looking at a Xavier team that's going to have their second all-time leading scorer and a guy that the fans love and JP that has yeah. become a very, very good college basketball player. And, and let's be quite honest. If JP wasn't playing with Trayvon Blewett throughout his entire career, one, he has a lot more points, but two – he's looked at as one of the better wings to probably ever come through Xavier yeah. if you're not playing with the second best yeah. scorer in school history and maybe the best wing of all time, quite and, honestly. And, and UC has a balance on offense that they haven't had in a long time. You're starting to see, and we'll see if it continues through this stretch, but you're seeing assertive Gary Clark, which we've only seen in flashes. And if this is a Gary Clark you get all season, it's going to be hell trying to beat Cincinnati. It'd, I, be, it'd be a problem, if you will. If you will. No, I mean, he, he honestly, if, if he's going to become a 17 to 19 point per game guy, being efficient doing it, and you have to really start to double him constantly, becomes a real problem. Yeah. I mean. But he has to, he has to continue to do that. Yeah. He can't just but, be. But even like in years past against the, the, the bad teams is when he would be even more passive. Because he would trying to get others involved. He would just get others involved. He was never looking for his. Like, when they played UConn, he would step it up and he would have a 24-point game or whatever it was. But when they were playing bad teams, he had no problem kind of blending, getting on the glass, a couple stickbacks here and there. But he was never, like in that tournament in the Caymans, especially the Buffalo game where, you know, it's the one time they've they've been somewhat tested, it was, he demanded the ball. Give me the ball on the block, I'm putting it in the rim. And if that's the Gary Clark you get, it makes the Cincinnati team a lot different. Yeah. Who does the game mean more to win-wise? Is, is it bigger for UC just because we just talked a minute ago there just aren't a lot of other opportunities? Somewhat. Th- this is the worst question about yes, the shootout it. from year to year, but this is the most fun year to ask it because right. I genuinely don't think there's really a right answer. Like, you can make whatever you want up for this year's schedule maybe, but, like, in terms of where the programs are at and everything else. It doesn't. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm going more looking at, at the schedule. C, the seed Yeah, picture. I mean, I think, I think it has to be UC just from the standpoint of – any big non-conference opportunity for UC is bigger than it is for Xavier because Xavier's going to have multiple top 50 opportunities right. in Big East play that UC won't have. And this year, it's a road game. Correct. Which yeah, which, which makes which it huge before. in terms of the resume. If for your them. resume has road win at Xavier on it, you're you're not overly stressing about we should be a two and they're going to make us a five. Right. Yeah, I mean, we, we talked before the year that there was, what, the four non-conference games we pointed to and, and go two and two, right? I mean, that 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 would be... That would be minimum. Three, three and three and one would it would then get you back in the conversation of that three seed line probably. If, again, if you play things out the yeah. way we, you expect them to play out. Four and oh, you'd, you'd really then... You're looking yourself. at a top five team. Correct. If yeah. you go four and oh. No, correct. Match. I mean, yeah, you'd be, you'd be within a week period, you'd beat a really good Xavier team on the road and beat Florida on a neutral. That and then you, UCLA and Yeah, Bali. correct. That puts you uh, up there pretty in pretty good company. 
Yeah. You were talking about matchups. What do you think we see at the point guard position from UC? Like who who starts and how do the minutes go? I mean, right now, Justin Jennifer's done a good job starting. And I, and I think it gives them, we've talked about this a little bit. Punch off the bench. It gives them punch off the bench with Kane Broom. Because as much as I, I love the potential of Keith Williams and Trevor Moore, I'm not confident game to game that those guys are, are going to be scorers. And certainly not in the shootout. You not wouldn't shootout. expect that from them. Yeah. Trayvon Scott has improved offensively, but he's you're not you don't look at him and say he's going to get 12, 12 in yeah, the right. shootout. Right. Nazir Brooks is is not offensively progressed maybe as much as you were thinking he would have coming into the season. It would be nice to continue having Kane Broom as some pop at the under you know, 12 timeout or at the 15 minute mark or whatever. And that makes a lot of sense to me. I guess I'm more interested in how does it minute play? Distribution. How does it play out from there? What's the minute distribution? And, and then if it's dead even, that's fine too. But I think it depends end, on end, how of, play it. end of the game scenario, who do we see? And is it just strictly like you said, is it, Hey, it's so up in the air between these two guys right now. One game, it's this guy, yeah, one game, yeah, it's the other right now. It's, it's hot hand. Like I think, you know, if Kane comes in, and is is getting his offense going and is not, getting you and, some buckets and, and, and not, not turning, turning it over, over, you roll with him. If Justin is facilitating and he's getting you five, six, seven assists and he's only got one turnover, you roll with him. And and they've they've also gone to some uh, some more Jacob Evans on the ball when Kane Broom is in the game. Yeah. And we've talked about this and, and we've talked about it on Bearcat Journal. When you looked at his his synergy numbers from Sacred Heart. A lot of his stuff was off the ball. Like a lot of his best metric metrics were playing as a scorer off the ball. And when you play Jacob Evans on the ball, you're kind of forcing his hand. You're forcing him to, to be the guy with the ball in his hand. So, you know, the, there's some different ways that they're doing things right now that I think it's going to be, now that we're at the meat of the schedule, it's going to be interesting to see how some of that stuff is utilized by Mick. And even with Xavier... There's been a couple times this year where they've gone three, four-minute looks with Justin and Kane. Yeah. And with the problems they've had with smaller, quicker guards, maybe, yeah, maybe you see that. But Justin's not Justin, a scorer. Yeah, Justin's not going to attack you like but the, he, the he type of guy that gives Xavier trouble. He can trouble. get off the bounce in terms of getting into the paint and breaking down a defense a little bit more than Jacob Evans can. Yeah. Uh, I mean, personally, I, I, I disagree that, that Jennifer, Justin gives them more problems than Jacob does offensively. But I get your point in terms of sliding Kane off the ball. And I think that could give them more trouble if you've got Kane as a two now all of a sudden and he's able to break you down. Yeah. Then it means someone other than Quentin Gooden, well, Quentin Gooden may be guarding him, but then someone else is guarding Justin and your defense just isn't as, isn't as good as it otherwise would yeah, be. There's something to be said for that. You know, everybody thinks the point guard is easy. You know, he, he should be able to break you down off the dribble, all those things, when he's bringing the ball up the floor. But sometimes it's just catching it with a fresh dribble and being able to attack it in that mode, maybe even coming off of a screen real quick, catching it. you got your fresh dribble. You haven't made a move yet. You're in a better spot as opposed to just coming up the floor, trying to break a defense down. Yeah. Um, and, 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 you know, again, it, it sounds simplistic, but it, it, it really is that simple, that maybe he just is better coming off the ball. doesn't mean he's not a point guard per se. It's just... You work through somebody well, else to get it back to him. It depends on what we're talking about him as. Like, if we're talking about him as a facilitator and as a point guard, that's one thing. But he, if we're talking about him as a scorer... scorer then off the ball might be better. Yeah. Yeah. And, I mean, I think really on the Xavier side of things, Quentin Gooden's been so important to what they're doing in terms of running their offense, getting guys looks, and then defending. I think the biggest concern for Xavier is 
Kane Broom starts attacking him early, and he's been prone to picking up two quick fouls, yeah. and then he goes off the floor. Last night, they were plus 25 when Quentin Gooden was on the court. They were minus 13 when Paul huge. Scruggs was on that's the court. Huge. That's a totally different ball team. So I think that's the big concern is you get Paul Scruggs in the shootout in a moment he might not be quite ready for, having to run your team for five or six extended minutes in the first half. That's yeah. a lot. I mean, they won't, they won't be able to do it. They'll have to bring Quentin Gooden back on the court, I would assume. And that's not to say Paul Scruggs isn't a good player and he's not capable of providing you some good defense or whatever in that but moment. You got, you're, at, you're, at, you're asking a, a question mark to but quickly be answered in a tough spot. You don't want to be relying that on that in this game. And so I think, the, I think you're pretty certain Quentin will do fine against UC's backcourt in terms of what he does. He's not going to dominate the game by any stretch. But he'll he'll do what he does as long as he doesn't get a couple quick early fouls guarding Kane because Kane can do that to you the way he'll attack you. He's very aggressive. The matchup for Xavier between Jacob Evans and, and Jaron Cumberland, what, what, what do they do? Other than potentially pick up the first technical of the game? <laughs> Um, someone did ask me. Over, is there a high low? Yeah, is, is there an over under? Over under nine minutes in. I go over. I don't think there will be a technical be for the first nine minutes or It's up. a noon game. Yeah, it's a new. Well, and these teams aren't. It's not the zip them up crew. They don't know each other. Like I, I've made this point before. When they back in those days, there was no summer. Yeah. Workout right, program. Right. So those guys all played together in the Devereaux League. They played pickup games around town. Now that they have summer workouts, and you're in the gym with your team a couple days a week, that stuff has gone way down. These guys don't really know each other. Right, enough to start yapping at each other. Well, and they're certainly they're gonna yap. They're yeah, certainly different not like guys. Not if you like if you play the Devereaux <coughs> League and, and started, you know, you saw each right. other five weeks in the summertime, well, and you can start the yapping process. And those guys always used to run open gyms at each other's gyms yeah, all summer, yeah. too. So you they would see, see each other a hundred times a summer. See, like, they knew each other well. And, and those were certainly different guys than what both schools have right now. Both schools have guys who are kind of more concerned about themselves now, you know, like just confident right. kids that – are there to go to school and play basketball. And and it's just a different world, I think, in both locker rooms at the moment, especially Xavier's. Well, but let's let's be honest. Tyreek and Kyle are going to talk. Oh, there's going to be plenty of talking. The, who's who's the most likely to get teed up? I think it's JP and Jaron. And I think it's a double tech. See, Jaron doesn't say much. And he, yeah, he'll, but he ain't backing, he ain't backing down. down. You're backing right on down. that. But well, and the thing Jaron will do is after he's been talked to a lot, he'll react. Yes. Yeah. And that's where I see them getting tangled up in something. I think Tyreek and Kyle is the interesting one because Tyreek talks a lot. Tyreek talks a lot. And Kyle talks a lot. Yeah. I, I just don't know. And like Kyle's really old. Tyreek's kind of young. I could see there being, you know, you know. Well, Kyle actually, you know, like, do something extracurricular after a play or something because no, I've never I really can, seen that. Out I can Tyreek see him like face to face, like yeah, jawing and jawing, then get pulled away, get pulled away, double technical. technical. I hope it's not that because I feel like that would be weak. I I don't want to get cheated. I want the JP has been bothering Jaron all game, and Jaron says finally I've had enough, and he throws him out of bounds or something after a play, and then teams come together. Or hip, hip checks him as he's coming down, coming coming along the baseline. I, here's what I want. I want the shootout like. The, the year before this, yeah, the Crawford-Lance shootout where they came together two or three times but got broken up. It goes into overtime. Just an incredible game with just the right amount of, of edge. There's there's no Lance or Jordan Crawford on either of these teams. No, not at all. But there's I, nobody can get it. JP can get under anybody's skin. Yeah, I think I, he can get under anybody's skin. I think they can get it to a similar point in terms of intensity, especially because both teams are so good. Yeah. And I can see, honestly, I can see JP but, off the ball coming down the baseline and, and somebody just taking a hip and just 
banging him out of bounds. He pops up, says something, something. So you can see it. You can I can, I can picture it happening. Well, right and now. he got he got bullied last year, for lack of a better term. Yeah, it was not one of his best games. Like you, that that's bullied him. That's big. why you go into this shootout with it being those. Him and Trayvon both being seniors, it's hard for me to see Xavier losing because of that, but it's also why I think it's going to be as testy as this group of guys has ever been because of that. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's not a... Like, even Trayvon talks a little bit now, and he's never been that kid at all, but I think it's mostly just because of, one, he's a senior with some confidence. And two, JP's around all the time. He's got JP around him all the time. And he went from being, like, best friends with Miles Davis till he left the team, and Miles Davis was very low-key. Now he's hanging out with JP, and JP never shuts up, so there you are. That's fair. Right, is there a we, lot? Won't, we won't get to see JP's respect level for a white defender, though. No, not a whole lot of Caucasian defenders on the uh, UC sidelines. It, okay, is there a wild card player for either team that, 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 you're, that, that you hope pops up? I think there's multiple yeah, for yeah. both teams, and this is what the shootout does, Absolutely. right? Like, it always brings out at least one guy where you go, oh, he had eight rebounds and two offensive ones that were huge. Like, it may not be 15 points. But it might no, be I mean, two or three threes. Yeah, I, I knew what Cumberland was because I saw him in high school and, and knew what he could become. But I, last year, I he was just so good in that game that it was like, oh, wow, that he made a difference. That start- was the game for Cumberland where all of us that had seen him coming up and questioned whether he was going to be able to bully people in college or wonder, not question, right, but is he going to be able to do yes. that? Yes. 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 As a matter of fact, he will. Um, Kyle, so, I, I think Kyle is a wild card big time. That's crazy to say after last year when he coming into this game he was like their go-to scorer at that yeah. point. Yeah. And they now I mean the thing with Kyle that this is an opportunity for him last year in big games he vanished. And a, a lot of the time and this is an opportunity maybe for him to step up in a big game, you know. But here's the thing though, as well as Gary Clark's playing and the ability to play through him, how much are they going to Pay attention to Gary. Well, yeah, okay, they yeah, said yeah, the double yeah, at Gary. Yeah, enough, yeah. They're doing everything they can on Gary to make him give it up. Yeah. And yeah, Kyle gets. I do think it's worth keeping in mind. Xavier is a pack line team who almost never yeah, double, double teams double, a guy yeah. ever. I mean, they'll dig down on him a little bit, but he'll have to really be working them in the first half before they're ever going to like actually double team. Because I've heard that a few times. Like One of the TV stations were talking about it last night that Xavier was going to be doubling Gary Clark and was going to make a big difference because he's such a good passer. And I'm like, Gary Clark's great, but he'll score 20 before Xavier starts doubling him. You know, yeah. That's just the way Xavier plays. Yeah, that's fair. But I get, I, not necessarily doubling, but just, but just like... Just having a focus, and then he kicks out for an extra... Yeah. You're a late a step like closing out. Yeah, and Kyle yeah. gets it on the other block. and Or they're, they're focusing on keeping Gary off the glass... And Kyle has been a much improved offensive rebounder this year. Maybe he can do some damage there as they're trying to keep Gary away, whatever the case may be. Um, I just think for, for UC, he's an interesting – and it's hard because you don't have that confidence in him because he has struggled in physical, big, high-energy, high-emotion games like this. But we'll see. So you you went a starter and a guy who is known to do some stuff. Yeah, I'll do the same well, – let, let, let me get – one off the bench besides well, well let me do okay, this right. I've got the okay. same for Xavier I, I would say on the guy like that for Xavier for me is Kaiser Gates no yeah. because we saw what he could do last night against Baylor with 19 but it's more importantly you talked about Gary Clark and we all know Gary Clark's going to be really good like even if Gary Clark scores 8 points in this game he's going to be really good because he's going to do a lot of other things yeah. but we have seen those games where Gary Clark will only score 8 to 10 points and he doesn't necessarily feel the need to be super aggressive on offense 
if he has that type of game and Kaiser Gates hit three or four threes like he's capable of, they, they, they watch each other. At least from a scoring perspective. Yeah. And he may not do all the other things Gary does, but all of a sudden that's a big ease of, like, you You don't have to be nearly as concerned if you're Xavier about how you're going to match up yeah. with Gary Clark if, if he cancels his scoring out. And I think that could be a huge deal for Xavier if Kaiser Gates just get he, he doesn't have to have a big game, but if he gets two or three open threes and Gary doesn't have a big game, that's massive for X. And plus, you you got to think, Kaiser's probably going to be guarding Gary to start. Tough matchup for him. If he doesn't get killed, uh, that's another big win for Xavier. And, and Gary's probably going to be guarding Kaiser. So yeah. he's going to be out on the perimeter, which he has proven to be a capable... And, and the thing is, it's not like Kaiser's driving around him. So he's going to have really no issue guarding Kaiser. Yeah. But it's more of a, just a thing of, hey, is the rest of Xavier's offense good enough to get Kaiser looks? Right. Is there somebody off the bench? Game room if he's off the bench, <laughs> but um, it, it, somebody else. The the, the dark horse guy. The, the dark horse for me would be Trevor Moore. Okay, I mean I he like has it. shown deep and quality range um, already. And the thing about him that's been interesting is he's been a better shooter when he's been contested. And I don't I don't know if that's because his shot mechanics are so quick, in, like from catch to release. Right. And when he has time, he kind of like slows it down, and he and he's been more he's inaccurate. Just out of he's just been a hair out of rhythm when it's been a little bit more of an open look. So you know, if you're looking at you've got all these other weapons on offense, and you slide Trevor Moore in there, and he gets a couple open looks from the corner or from the wing, that could be a guy off the bench that that adds six or nine points. That and, and if he does that, I mean, that's totally unaccounted for, right? Scoring, yeah. I think he's already, I mean, you're already starting to hear coaches yell when he's out on the floor sure. or shooter, and he's getting that reputation already. Um, that's the one guy, because Keith Williams, I think, has been up and down. And, and I don't know, I, I think he, I still think he's going to be really, really good. But I don't know if this stage, maybe the New York City in him comes out and this stage is perfect for him, but I don't know if this stage is going to be too big for him yet. Um, the other guys, I just, they're, they're, their rotation guys, I don't know who out of that other group is going to splash and make a big impact. Yeah. Um, on the other side, I think there's no question the dark horse is Najee Marshall. Um, and he kind of was that last night against Baylor. He only plays 10 minutes. He scores 12 points. He's super yeah. active. He grabs a couple offensive, re- three offensive rebounds. That's the thing he can do to make differences. He's, he's fearless and he plays so hard, and he has the requisite athleticism to match up with these types of opponents that if he just chases down a couple loose balls or offensive rebounds, he can make a big difference and give you a big lift of energy in, in key moments because he doesn't have that – he's not timid in, in, in the important moments. He plays 100% all the way, all the time, and sometimes that's to his detriment, but sometimes in games like that, it's, it's a big deal. So. What's he been playing, three? Yeah, he only plays the three. Okay. Yeah, so that's the reason it's tough to get him on the floor because it's like you got to take Trayvon or JP off really to get him in. Well, you take Kaiser off and move Trayvon to the four, but they haven't been but, doing that much this year, have they? Yeah, I mean, it, you, you can do that, um, but that's basically the, the way to get him on and have both those guys in. So it, it doesn't happen a lot because Kaiser's been playing. They haven't been playing a lot of two bigs together. So, yeah. What, speaking of, what, what about Xavier's bigs in this game on the offensive end? What, what, what do you need from them? What, do you, what, what can you expect from them? Well, I, I think... Oh come on, skinny! What's? Can you get your phone here? What's? No, those the messages. That's why you have. That's why you have the thing called this, voicemail. So you're just gonna let it ring for thirty seconds in the middle of the podcast? That's correct. This that's is correct. Um, unbelievable professionalism for a guy who was 
promoting accountability when we started this podcast. Stop ringing. All right. Penalty I'm, box. Two I made, minutes. I made it stop ringing. Accountability. I, look, I, we're going. No. We're going two on zero instead of three on zero. How do I have control of somebody calling my you phone? You turn it on silence like a pro. Learn to do a podcast for once. All right, two things. I'm in this office so infrequently that I don't even know I even. We have record a phone. every week. Record a podcast every, every week. I'm going to take it off the hook right now. Go ahead and answer my I, question. I appreciate that. Uh, <laughs> Tyree Jones has been playing really, really well. Now here comes that sound. The annoying sound's going to come in a second when you take the phone off the hook. So just be prepared for that. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Go ahead. Tyree Jones has been playing really well this year, but recently they have not found ways to get him involved on in offense. He only had a couple shots in both games in Vegas, and then last night he didn't even score. I don't know what to expect out of him offensively. Now, like, how he matches up with Kyle Washington, it's not a big concern. I think he'll defend him well. I think he'll rebound against him well. And he can score against him if they get him the ball in the low post because Kyle doesn't like to be very physical and doesn't like to do his work early. So theoretically, he might be able to seal him low and get some good opportunities. But Xavier has to consciously try to get Tyreek involved. He's not a guy who's just going to start taking the game over by himself. And recently, they haven't done that. So I, I don't know what to expect out of him. Sean O'Mara, Sean O'Mara. Like, you just don't know, man. He's there, and then randomly he'll have 12-point games where he makes three or four good post moves. Oh, no. Is that is that the dark is horse now? Oh, no. <laughs> He's a senior, isn't he? Yeah, senior in the shootout. Oh, no. You feel the karma coming on? The stinking Sean O'Mara game. 14-10 <laughs> and two blocks. Oh, my God. Could you imagine? I mean, he did lead Xavier over Arizona last year in the uh, Sweet 16 to get to the Elite Eight. There you go. You just hit his button right there with that. Just hit his button. That hurts him so bad, too. Because he, feel, he feels it coming I on, feel, don't you? Yeah. You really do. Well, it's, 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 I know. It's, it's an unexpected senior, right. oh, usually. Everybody expects Gary Clark, sure, Kyle right. Washington, right. J.P. McCura, Trayvon and Trayvon Blewett. Oh, no. It's the Sean O'Mara game, isn't it? Five of dun, five. Dun, dun, five, dun, five of five. Dun, dun. From the floor, four of four at the line, twenty-two efficient minutes. You get Kyle in foul trouble, Kyle so they have to go to Isaiah Brooks for an extended period of time. There you go, there you go. Now you, now you see, now you got a new wild card there. But you're right; you don't know what you're going to get out of him. No, I'm totally defeated you do. now. You apparently know what you're going to get. I know. Out of him. I, it just hit me. The interesting one is Karim Cantor. He's played pretty well. well he's lately. a senior too, the, I guess. The, the last two games, he's been. Pretty darn good. Like he's given them a lift offensively, like they thought he would. He's right. scored in the post. He's passed well. Last night he took a charge in the Baylor game, which at least showed he could do something defensively that wasn't a, a net negative. So, to be on, to be honest, I don't know what Xavier will get out of their bigs. They don't really rely on their bigs right. to carry them as long as their bigs are serviceable and don't especially get on the other end, especially on the other end too. Though more importantly, that they don't get dominated on the right. the, the defensive glass. As long as they keep that from happening, they sh- they've done their part. No, there you go. Um, do you have a couple questions? I got a, I got a couple here off of Facebook. If you want on Facebook Live, those of you who are watching, we appreciate it. Uh, I got a couple questions. If you've got a question, we got some time to take some questions, but you had a couple off Twitter too, right? Uh, I think we answered those. We had the one about the over-under. Uh, um, I yeah, I think someone had asked me if uh, a team of 10 J.P. Makiros could win a national championship after that three-on-five thing. I'm going to say no because at some point you would have to defend. Yeah. Um, I want to go back how do you not, in a game like that, just want double team at the ball every time? They did. Colin Sexton's a bad That's dude. A, they actually they ran did. a triple team at him Sheesh. most of the time. That's insane. That is insane. They would set a ball screen. He'd weave in and out of the other two defenders, spin around one of them, and then go one on two or give and go, somehow oh get it back. God. It was oh incredible God. to watch. He's good. Mesmerizing. He's good. 
I know he is. Playing for Avery Johnson, that's a good thing. Got myself a point guard. I, I don't feel good about that. that point guard. I don't feel good about that either. Yeah. All right, uh, Jacob off of Facebook says, in game situations, how much of an advantage is having Mac versus Mick? I'll finish the question. I think Mac generates so many easy looks for his team. UC never seems to generate looks easy looks through their offense. I believe that's usually a big difference in the crosstown. I, I, I mean, I think you're, if you're thinking about that, you're probably specifically thinking back to like the Miles Davis, D. Davis game at UC where Xavier ran a bunch of sets to get really easy looks against the zone. Other than that, I can't really – like Chris Mack is obviously great at calling plays. It's what he's known for his baseline under but pounds. But like I can't think of a time that's really dominated the shootout no. too much. I mean, mix – and Mix one of the best defensive minds in the country. Well, the so well, I, 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 when they dominated that zone, it wasn't really all that complicated. It was overload, move the ball, get it to the corner, and make a shot. And make a shot. Yeah, and I think that's and, and part of that is the make a shot part of the program. Yeah, yeah and I think um, Chris Chris does one thing. Chris does really well that probably doesn't get brought up as much as like the set plays and the underneath out of bounds stuff is running. Starting their offense with a different action that relates to the team they're playing. Um, for instance, the Wisconsin game, because they run a pack line just like Xavier, and they Mac knows they're going to chase around every screen. Instead of starting their offense with a dribble flip to get into their ball screen motion, they would run JP or Trayvon off a, a staggered screen coming to the top of the key. And a lot of times they just curled it and kept on going to the rim because they knew the defender's chasing, chasing around. And, and he's going to get hung up at some point. And they're not long athletic defenders because right. they're Wisconsin, so they're a bunch of stocky white guys. And it got them easy looks. So that would be like, that's the thing to watch out for is, the thing is I don't think UC is going to zone because they haven't really been zoning all year. Unless Mick outthinks himself and does something crazy defensively, I don't think there's much to be concerned there because UC is going to be really good man-to-man. I can't imagine Xavier's going to get a lot of easy looks regardless of what they're running because he knows what Chris is going to run. Yeah. Look, Chris Chris does what they run great stuff. But I I think last year was was a Mick kind of where they they just – they willed themselves on the glass to win that game. And 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 I think there's a credit for that, too. I mean, there, there's a coaching aspect well, to that but, as well. Yeah, and, and you, I think you had a lot last year of those guys were – one of the reasons that that happened is those guys were all hell-bent on making sure Troy and Kevin didn't go out over four. Yeah. So there was, you know, yeah, a, yeah, right. a, a, a playing for each other that maybe normally is just a notch less intense. Like – they were determined to make that happen. And they knew that to do it, they were going to have to out-tough Xavier. So we'll see if that intensity is the same this year. And Chris has already got the numbers that say Xavier's not rebounding well. He's got the numbers that say UC's maybe the best rebounding team in the country. They are are probably doing box-outs right now. The bubble's a great thing. Seriously. I mean, you're not even exaggerating when no. you say that. Like, that's probably 100% accurate. And they're not even practicing yet. <laughs> they right. literally just get boxed out. Sort of like, we had a, we got, we're going to have a one-hour boxed out period here. We'll have another hour boxed out period right. there. And then we'll have a 45-minute practice there. Right. Sort of like, See you tomorrow. We'll do the same thing tomorrow. Right. Sort of like when you're struggling to make free throws, they make you sign up to shoot 200 free throws extra on yeah. your own time. They're just doing box out. Sign up yeah. to do your own box out drills on yeah. your own time. There's managers that are they're just... Sitting, shooting, yeah. shooting jump shots into the bubble. Yeah, they're tired. They're tired. Yeah. You're throwing it up against the bubble. They're icing down their shoulders. So I don't know how much of a you know a determining factor that's going to end up being. Um, I mean, obviously, if one team dominates the other on the glass again, like we saw last year, I just don't see. I, that. I'm comfortable with saying that team is going to win, whichever yes. team it is. Yeah, and I just I'd be that was, stunned if that happened shock- ever again. Like we were sitting there last year, Rick. It was shocking. Yeah, to see it play out the way it did. Yeah, it's all. It's almost like. 
that scenario can't happen without someone going for 40 on the other side. Like, you know what I mean? Like, it was almost like, you're right. They saw Trayvon going for 40, and they were like, we can't let our guys lose a fourth straight time on our home court to send them off. We've got to do something. And they just went nuts in terms of their intensity and their toughness. Uh, Kevin says, I have a horrible feeling since we, and he's referring to UC because the rest of the question does, since we're ranked above X this year that we lose in a heartbreaker seems to always be the case when Cincy is ranked higher. But then he does ask, who do you think the MVP of the game will be? I mean, that people say that because of the two number one years, Correct. right? I mean, yeah. like, other than that, is that really a thing? No, but because I think it's been, I mean, Xavier's gotten a couple more wins at UC than UC's gotten at Xavier, obviously. Yeah. But it's usually just been the home team, you know, that's the, the safe bet to go with. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I don't think we're looking at, dang, thank you. I don't think we're looking at a wide disparity between the two. Like, when those two games happen, the number one games, UC was number one, and Xavier was receiving votes, maybe? Correct. I believe yeah. so. And I think the, the you know, Justin Berg and I just did an hour-and-a-half podcast on it, but I think the programs were at different points at that time. Like, yeah, the whole, right. it means more to Xavier thing. And then it did. kind of did resonate at that yeah. time. Yeah, yeah no, I, I would agree. But he does, the second part is, is, who do you think the MVP will be? It's hard. It, there's a lot of possibilities, man. Well, I mean... If, Sean O'Mara. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's, he's now you've convinced, he's so convinced he's now. worked up as soon as you started speaking about it he just did like the light bulb I, he said the name and it like I like it went through my body yeah I saw, it looked like you had the flu all of a sudden uh, it, like uh, yeah th- this is my flu podcast because as soon as you said Sean O'Mara my face dropped like the smile went away and instantly it was just like Oh no! I wish I would have thought about that while I was talking to Berg. He oh, would have, no. oh, he, he would have been sick to his stomach. He might he left li- your, he if he might, listens to this, he's dead. He, he might have left your house. He wouldn't have yeah. done a mic drive. He, he would have sort of thrown the mic. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's it's really hard not to say Draymond Blewett. Yeah, I, uh, that's the safe bet. If if you're like going odds on favorite, he'd be the the lowest odds. Yeah, no, I think he would be too. I, what, I, I, what, what, two to five? five? Let's do the let's do the lowest five, five guys. Yeah, handicap. Two to five, Trayvon blew it. No, even money, even money. So, so I think you go. I think you go because UC has a real good chance to not a real, but has, has certainly a very good chance to win the game. If they win, there's a chance they're going to have the MVP. So I go Trayvon, Gary Clark. Yes. Yeah, those are the top two. JP. Got to go back. To JP. JP. Cumberland. Cumberland. Yeah. Jacob Evans. Uh, five. I, I mean, I think like those are the five best players. Right. So. In terms of odds, Sean O'Mara's value but, is very good at thirty to but, one. Yes, but here's the thing: if it's if it's not going to be a random a, a Sean O'Mara type guy, then UC has three guys that seem like you know they're re- any of those guys could easily be the MVP for Xavier. It's, it's two, two guys. It's really hard to. I mean, unless it's Kaiser Gates going nuts from yeah, three like shots. he did against Baylor, it's well, really and, and hard to imagine someone else being the MVP outside of. What we saw last year, Xavier hasn't missed a three in the crosstown shootout for like seven seasons. It's it is amazing what happens when you leave shooters wide open. I will say that. Yeah, well, no, no question about it. Um, all right, you non-shooters. Find, you want to find? It is amazing what happens when you all leave right. non-shooters. All right, all right. Here's the thing: you've got to stop perpetuate. Like I know you, we both have relationships with the coaches; they're good to us for the most part. We're homers for them, but I would never let Chris Mack get away with saying that. 
Remy Abel and D. Davis weren't capable of making threes or James Farr wasn't capable of making threes. That's such an absurd accusation. They were all just because they had a D. bad. Davis was shooting like 22 percent. He was shooting it from behind his head. He was shooting 19 percent through like three games of the conference season. That was his conference shooting percentage as for his career and for that season as a whole. He's always been like a 36, 37 percent three point shooter. He was struggling. Okay, but you don't leave a senior wide open in the shootout. I concur with that. Okay, so quit spinning this. They're non-shooters making threes when you leave them wide open. When you leave guys wide open, their percentage goes up. It's simple. Simple. There you go. Yeah, that's fair. But yeah. they still were bad percentage shooters. Two games I, I, had the ugliest shot I've ever seen. It's fun, fun with small sample sizes. Math is a, a, it, a tough subject over there in Clifton. It, it can be. All right, speaking of math, you got a final score prediction? Now that, now that you're convinced Sean O'Meara is going to lead Xavier to victory? I I. My whole do, world has changed. Do, do you think that this game, that like, is it is it kind of knock down, drag out, and both teams play a little lower pace than what they've been I, playing? I, and I, I don't I don't mean like the ninety and hundred games, I but think, I mean like I think you're in the low seventies. So, so, I think low to mid seventies. I agree. Okay, because so, my thing is, if it's like seventy two sixty eight, that's a little slower. If it gets into like yeah. 78, 72, 78, 75, something you're like that. That pace. That's think. where I would expect this game to fall. I'll go. Now that I've convinced myself it's going to be the Sean O'Meara game. God, he's saying this with such sadness in his voice. I am. I'll go 75-71 Xavier. Okay. I go 72-69 Xavier. That, I think it will be played at just a little bit slower pace. Okay. I'm going to – I'm the, the noon tip, I mean, it's just – I, I tend to agree with you. I've been going back and forth. To me, it's either – 72-69 Xavier, which is what you just said, right? Yep. That was what I was saying in my head earlier. It's either that or it's 78-75 Xavier. Okay, so we're all going with the Xavier and the Sean O'Mara MVP. 30 to 1 odds. 10 bucks gets you 300. Take it now. Take it to the bank. <laughs> you, uh, I, uh, <laughs> you know what he's going to wake up about 3 o'clock in the morning and go, No, he did it! <laughs> oh, it was just a dream. Whew. Until like 1.30 when it's happening. Yeah, for real. And I'm going... Uh, he's just done with the podcast. He's, he's not, not even using a mic anymore. He's just yelling anymore. into a room. Exactly. Are you got any final takes on anything? No. I absolutely do. I just want to say yes. this time of the year, it always comes to my attention that this is just a game and we should be focusing on more important things in life. And I think uh, we should just go to Coach Cronin for that message. It is too much glorification of all of sports in our society. The fact is, guys are here to get an education. They represent institutions of higher learning. Okay? Xavier's been a great school for years. We're trying to cure cancer at Cincinnati. Okay? I go to school at a place where they discovered the vaccine for polio and, and, and created Benadryl. There we go. So there you go. I, I mean, just, I just think given, everyone needs to remember that. circumstances, I agree. I think everyone needs to remember that this year. You chased that mantra when Sha Sean so, O'Mara gets on So Saturday. when Sean O'Mara is the MVP, you applaud him and you remember that. I've got a cancer appointment on December 18th for my wife. Exactly. exactly. And, exactly. and Mick Cronin and UC helped cure it. Very well said. Boys, we appreciate it. We're going to fight. Thanks. I know. That's why we're going to turn this off here about two seconds. Uh, thanks for those of you watching on Facebook Live. Should be a great game on Saturday. We'll be back next week, uh, maybe to start our twice-a-week podcast. We're getting there, little by little by little. We'll see how we go. Conference-ish, right? Yeah, conference, conference season. Yeah, conference That's kind of how we do that. Yeah, yeah. Well, I got I got well what, what generally happens is we'll start doing Sunday nights when the Bengals end. Correct. Yeah. And we'll record on Sunday nights. And I, I, we'll leave it maybe up to, to – but I kind of like Wednesday instead of Thursday. I do too. Yeah. I like Sunday, Wednesday. Sunday, Wednesday. 
It's a date. What do you guys think? Sunday, Wednesday? Sunday, Wednesday. Sunday, Wednesday it is. Thank you. All right, good. Simple Glad they agreed. Boys, thanks very much. For Rick Boring from Musketeer Report, from the discouraged Chad Brendel of Bearcat Journal, I'm Richard Skinner from Local12.com. Thanks for being with us today on the Skinny Cut Podcast, the college basketball edition.